Live from the fish tank, it's your host Ronnie with another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. And this one features a lot of trades because between the last episode and this one, we had two trade deadlines come and go for basketball and for hockey. And somehow uh, the sport with the most trades uh, was baseball. (laughs) So... We have plenty to go over there before we get into uh, recaps, of course, of the hockey and basketball because basketball is finally done with uh, the All-Star break, which means that last week was, of course, the uh, two-week-long matchup period. So we have recaps for both sports again. Uh, That'll be the case uh, through the playoffs. So... Every single episode now is going to have plenty of content of me, and I'm sure you're all just thrilled about that. But let's be honest, you're probably probably more happy about uh, the idea of both sports being back in full swing. So enough of this babbling. Let's get the uh, little transition noise here and start talking about trades, huh? All right, let's talk about the trade deadline sports first, and we'll start with the best here with hockey. Uh, we have Ahmed trading away Darnell Nurse to Ping in exchange for Blake Coleman. Uh, Ahmed trying to beef up his wing production. Ping really hammering home uh, the defense bill that he is going for. Um, I, I think I like this for both sides. Um, I think Nurse is the more valuable player. But the contracts do come into play here, and I'm not sure philosophically I would want to extend Nurse at what he will cost. I don't think he's going to be prohibitively expensive. It's just, I guess we're going to get a window into my thinking here. I don't necessarily like having contracts on my roster of like that mid-tier salary range, like the six to eight million dollar range, maybe even call it five to eight million dollar range, where the players just aren't like that great. Like Nurse is certainly valuable, and especially if you're going for more of a more of a grit build, um, that works. But I don't hate the idea of Ahmed moving away from Darnell Nurse. And yes, of course, I do have a few exceptions on my teams across all sports. You know, like everybody, I'm willing to make exceptions for, for certain players. But by and large, it's kind of a bit of a philosophical sticking point for me. Uh, Blake Coleman, I don't expect him to be this good next year, but he's producing a lot. And if Ahmed can, you know, shovel that defense chip for a winger chip, and if that actually helps him out here, Uh, on this playoff push, then, hey, can't fault it. Um, Also, at this trade deadline was Spencer trading away Barrett Hayton uh, in a fourth-round draft pick to Mike in exchange for Cam Fowler and Jake McCabe. Um, This trade is fine for both sides. Spencer getting some rentals here for uh, the playoff push and moving on from a player who I don't know if he's going to quite pan out how the Coyotes hoped or I guess how we hoped in DSAC here. Um, even if I'm not overly big on Barrett Hayton in this league, or I guess just even in general, really, um, Jake McCabe is tracking, I think, like he's going to be like a $4 million extension this offseason. 
And Cam Fowler is, well, he's got another year for this one at a, a reasonable $3 million, even if Fowler is not really a huge dynasty or really just a fantasy asset in general. Um, so I don't think Mike really gives up anything here that hurts his trajectory. But even if Barrett Hayton's offense isn't going to come around, I think he's actually been perhaps kind of usable in a certain build here for our format. He's not special, but for a centerman, he does still win some faceoffs. Um, I'll pull up his stats right now, kind of see where he's at the other ones, because I know the point totals have been kind of kind of not great, <laughs> um, and that's probably sugarcoating it a little bit for for him. Um, where do I got to go to find him on the... Okay, here we go. Well, he's only played 25 games, I guess. So he would have... If he had played, you know, like a call it 60, because that's about where most teams are in the in that ballpark, you know, he'd have a little more than double the point totals if he extrapolate that out. So it's still not great, especially from forward. But the faceoffs aren't bad. Um, around two shots per game isn't bad. Half a block per game isn't bad. So I I think it's a fine trade. I don't think it's really all that special, but it's fine. Spencer gets some uh, some reinforcements, and I don't know, Mike takes a fly around a young player. Makes sense to me. The final hockey trade was the biggest of the bunch. Uh, Ahmed and myself linked up to bring a superstar to the Blue Water area, Austin Matthews, who debuted tonight as I'm recording this yesterday as you are listening to this, um, in exchange for Alexander Barkov, Jack Eichel, and Eustace Anunen. Um, we were at a point where I can't exactly pinpoint the, the exact date, but somewhere the Blue Water Walleye lost too much ground on offense and tried to really go in for the depth and for the grit, and it leaves me with a very minimal margin for error, and it puts me in a position where I probably needed to shake something up. So when Matthews' contract comes due, it's the same year as Barkov and Eichel. All three of those players have next year under contract as well. And I don't know how workable it was going to be to extend both Barkov and Eichel. Financially, I could have swung it, but I'm not sure how much room that would have really left me to build out my roster after Sorokin and Sider also get uh, massive contracts as well. That would leave me with... Not a lot of money for most of my other roster players. So I think by consolidating two very talented players, might I add, I think this trade ended up being fair. If anything else, maybe a slight lean towards Ahmed. Um, but I get a true superstar. I think it helps me financially, which is does have tangible value to me as well. Um but yeah, Barkov, obviously an incredible player. Uh, two-time all-DSAC. Uh, both times in a utility slot, though. Um, he can't score goals like Austin Matthews. I don't think anybody in the league currently can. Matthews is just on... He's playing a whole different sport when it comes to scoring goals. But the point totals, you know, they're there for Barkov. Little over point per game. Similar deal with Jack Eichel. Um, Barkov wins probably a few more face-offs than Matthews does. Eichel a few fewer than Matthews does. 
but Eichel does shoot almost as much as Matthews. Barkov doesn't shoot as much as Matthews. So I think overall, both sides get something they want here, and I think this is certainly the, one of the bigger hockey trades we've had in a while because you can make a case here that the three main players involved in this are all top 10 centers in, like, fantasy. So I just got to hope that Austin Matthews can continue to be an absolute stud for the next year and two months plus another five years after that because, you know, you got to think he's going to get an extension from me here. So, uh, yeah. And Eustace and Noonan as well. Um, I'm... I think a Noonan will be valuable. I'm not sure he's going to be a stud, but if he can get regular playing time for the Avalanche, you know, being on a good team in DSAC is half the battle when it comes to picking a goalie. So that's certainly not just a throw-in. That's, you know, that's a decent ladder digger there for Ahmed. Moving on, now we can go to basketball trades, and this is admittedly where my... Uh, my knowledge isn't quite as in-depth as hockey or as it will be in baseball, of course. But uh, the first one up here is Alex getting uh, Marvin Bagley and a little bit of cash in exchange for Obi Toppin in the third. I, I like this for, for Alex. Um, Toppin was a bit found money, I guess, for Alex in free agency when we all kind of realized, oh, hey, this guy is, like, available. <laughs> um, so Alex was able to capitalize on that, get Toppin on a, a pretty cheap deal. And Toppin has been... All right, nothing special, but he's still young, and there's still a little bit of room to grow there. And that type of player kind of fits what Paolo wants and what Paolo really needs for his team. Um, just a quick check here on Toppin's stats. On the year, 10.5 points, 3.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists, and one stock per game. So it's, I don't know, I, I guess if you value the youth, it's slightly worth more than a waiver quality player, but not by much. But there's still a little something there, perhaps. Whereas Marvin Bagley is on an expiring deal, I think. I'm going to check that right now live on the podcast. Um, yes, Bagley is on an expiring deal for $7 million. So probably not an extension candidate. So this is going to be a rental for Alex. And, well... Since he moved to Washington, Bagley's been, like, you know, kind of decent. Um, he was, you know, for fantasy, at least. I don't, I can't really speak too, too much to his, his on-court impact in real life. Um, he was all right in Detroit. It wasn't much. But he certainly wasn't as bad as friggin' James Wiseman is. Still don't know why we still have James Wiseman, but that's not the point of this Seven here. For example, tonight, Marvin Bagley, 20 points, nine rebounds, a steal, and two blocks. Um, you can probably f- count on him to get you about eh, maybe 12 points, rounds, eight to nine rebounds, maybe a couple assists, probably about almost two stocks per game, stock and a half per game. So pretty decent uh, depth piece there for Alex to pick up. Nice run toll, I think. So I like that for both sides. Next up was Spencer cashing in on Wendell Carter Jr., who never quite reached the heights that uh, Spencer was hoping for Wendell Carter Jr. when he traded for him all those years ago. Um, Ends up with 
Kobe Bufkin and Jalen Hood Shafino in exchange for Wendell Carter Jr. Now, as the resident Michigan fan here in this league, um, I liked Kobe Bufkin coming out of the draft. I don't know if he's really... He hasn't gotten much run in the NBA to really show where he's at. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what the G League stats are, but generally speaking at that point in the draft, kind of, I don't think he was a lottery pick. I think he was picked like right out of the lottery, or if he was in the lottery, it was a very late lottery. And you're not really going to get a ton from most of those guys. So I think I like this for Paolo getting, you know, some certainty at at the position of center, something that he's needed. You know, he did trade away Marvin Bagley, who, well, is a center, which is a bit ironic, I guess. But once again, the, the extension thing is gonna, always going to be a bit of a hindrance there. And I think Wendell Carter Jr. is at least a slight upgrade over Marvin Bagley. Maybe not by much, but he's younger. And if I can go to Paolo's tab here. The contract situation with Wendell Carter Jr. It's, it's, it's the same salary, but Wendell Carter Jr. has an extra year over what Bagley did. And I'm not really sure how much I like Jalen Hutchifino. So for me, this is probably like two, two lottery tickets, I guess, for a more proven player. So I think I like this for Paolo, but I don't hate it for Spencer either. And the last deal was Sadiq Bey for Patrick Williams and Chris Murray. Uh, from Bay going from Ryan to Ahmed. Williams and Murray going from Ahmed to Ryan. Um, I think I like this more for Ryan just based on contracts. Sadiq Bey is up for an extension this year. And I think he may be pricing himself into the 100% tier which will put him at around an $8 million player. I don't know if I think Sadiq Bey is an $8 million player. Um, whereas Ryan, in exchange here, gets Chris Murray, who is, you know, a, a fine G League player. I don't think he's going to be much. But it's, you know, something to put down in your farm system and just plant the seeds, see what grows, even if it's probably going to be nothing. Um, but Patrick Williams is $2 million for this year and two more years, which means his rookie extension is going to be much, much cheaper than uh, Sadiq Bey's. And I don't know if there's really... Bay is better than Williams, but I don't know if he's going to be better than Williams by the, the multiples of salary. So I think I like that for Ryan there. And that leaves us now with the baseball trades, or should I say just Barry because Barry was involved in all four of these. Uh, the first one, there's, there's going to be a theme here. Uh, the first one is Barry trading away Jesus Luzardo and $7 million for Andres Munoz, Dylan Lesko, and $7 million. Um, I, think, I think I feel all right about this on both sides. Um, Barry really leaning into relievers here, which is just... I... I'm not going to waste too much breath on this because every, I think at this point everybody knows how I feel about relievers and, you know, acquiring them and spending assets and spending money to acquire them. But Dylan Lusco, I think, here is the main prize. Um, a pretty decent pitching prospect, of which Paolo has many, but Paolo does not have many major league pitchers. 
So he turns one of those pitching prospects and not even his best or second best. Well, yeah, not even his best or second best um, to get a, a decent major leaguer. But I also don't hate Barry Sneaky getting off on Hayes Lizardo. Like, I think Lizardo's pretty good, and I think Lizardo would certainly be one of Barry's better pitchers this year. But let's look here at Jesus Lizardo's contract. And this is... Oh, there he is. Jesus Lizardo is $7 million this year and next year. And I'm not sure he's the type of pitcher that I want to extend. Once again, kind of the, the salary versus the production. Because... I am skeptical about Hazel Cesardo being good in a few years. Um, let's let's look at the stats here on Lizardo real quick, and I'll kind of explain my. Not really, has a little uh, little line there above the U and Jesus. It doesn't want to pop up when I type a regular U, but I found it. So here we go. So, when Hazel Cesardo was in Oakland, the numbers uh, weren't always as as good as they had been. Or at least as they have been now with Miami. And I think, you know, a good chunk of that comes down to fastball velocity. When Jesus Lizardo is rolling, that fastball is pretty good but if that fastball loses a tick or two all of a sudden he becomes a lot more hittable and I think he's kind of towing a bit of a fine line there where as he ages he's only 26 or 27 so I don't know if that's going to happen soon but I think at some point here within the next handful of years if he loses a tick or two that uh, effectiveness is going to really drop here as I hear it raining outside my apartment so I have to go and shut a window so I don't get water inside my apartment that's right it's February Michigan and I have uh, windows open because it's warm enough out certainly there's nothing to worry about with that right windows open in February as you hear my uh Fucking like 1980s style blinds closing the background. This is making for great audio, by the way. You guys are going to love this part of the podcast. All right, here, let's get back to talking about baseball trades. So I like it for both sides. Basically, this is the, the, the short of my, my rambling here. Next up was Barry trading away Jackson Merrill for Chase DeLauder, essentially. Um, Barry also kicking in a third rounder, going back to Spencer there. Barry has been talking of Jackson Merrill a lot over the last year, so I was admittedly a little surprised to see him trade away Jackson Merrill. So let's take a quick look here at a prospect rank and really kind of get an idea of where where these guys are because I'm not sure I like Chase DeLauder enough to trade away Jackson Merrill and a pick? Like, I... Honestly, if anything, I think Merrill, on his own, um, could perhaps be the better prospect. Although Chase DeLauder has admittedly really risen up in recent... over the last year or so. 
So I wouldn't be, you know, terribly shocked if we look back on this the year and think, oh, this is actually, you know, pretty fair trade, or maybe even in Barry's favor. But for right now, I mean, with the shortstop eligibility that Merrill has, and obviously I don't think he's going to be playing shortstop in, well, he might he might play shortstop in San Diego here soon. I think Young Kim is in a contract here, or he's coming up on one maybe next year. And there's, the, you know, that possibility where if the Padres just let him walk, Jackson Merrill could be their shortstop in a couple of years. And if that's the case, I think that eligibility is going to be, you know, pretty pretty valuable. But we'll see. I would give the edge to Spencer here, but I don't know how much I give a huge one here. Uh, those These two linked up again a couple days later for Barry Trudingway, Bryce Miller for Camilo Duvall. And this one is just a bad trade. I don't understand why you trade away a probable top 40 starting pitcher who was entering his first full season in the big leagues, you know, not even into, not even into his prime years yet, not even at his best yet, who you just extended for, admittedly, I think a, a decent value contract at, you know, five years, four million per, for a reliever. Like, Camille Duvall is good. He's a really good reliever. And if this were a saves league, I can maybe understand this more, but it's not. It saves and holds. There's a lot of relievers out there who can get within the ballpark of a save-hold number, as Camilo Duvall will get. I think Camilo Duvall is good as he is. I think if you go reliever by committee, and I think, well, I guess most teams are going to roster five anyway. And if you're going to be rostering five relievers, obviously you want the best ones you can get. But, you know, I I don't... I don't think it's impossible to find a guy off the wire. You know, if you get lucky, uh, you can find someone who is as valuable or even more valuable. Maybe only only over one year, whereas Duvall is perhaps a bit more stable. But I, you don't trade away Bryce Miller for that. I, I don't understand this at all. Barry's really going in on the bullpen. And sure, Barry may have one of the better bullpens in DSAC. He might finish top three in save holds by the end of the year. And he might win that category nine weeks out of ten. But what else is there, though? Yeah, you know, a good reliever will help your ratios. But you're building up this one part of your roster and kind of neglecting the other more important, more valuable, I guess, for lack of a better term, parts. So... I, I don't get why you trade away a good young pitcher you found at the waiver wire and were able to extend for a very good contract. I just I just don't get it. And speaking of trades that Barry made that I, <laughs> that I don't get, um, he trades away Carson Williams, Gavin Stone, Drew Rasmussen, and Joy Weimer in exchange for Brooks Lee. And if we're being honest here, I'm not even convinced that Brooks Lee is the best player in this trade. I think you can make a case that Carson Williams and Gavin Stone are both as valuable or more valuable than Brooks Lee. Like, sure, Brooks Lee has, or at least should have, a relatively safe floor. He's a pretty good hitter. He's a decent enough fielder that he could probably stay at shortstop. I don't think Minnesota exactly has anyone blocking him there. Um, Royce is obviously going to be playing third base. So I guess there's a path for Brooks Lee to be a shortstop. But 
man, like Carson Williams looks pretty good. Tampa Bay, you know, recently had shortstop open up. Uh, uh, as as a big pitching guy, I think uh, I, I still like Gavin Stone. And when you're in the Dodgers organization, I think that's always a huge boost. So maybe even if last year maybe wasn't quite as great as as people some people hoped, you know, I, I still still optimistic on Gavin Stone. I think you know I can see a world where he is um, still very very valuable. And beyond that, I guess I'm not really like overly into Drew Rasmussen or Joy Weimer at this point. Rasmussen is good when he pitches, but he just the health is. I don't know. You would be hard pressed to find a a pitcher in baseball who has a bigger health red flag right now than Drew Rasmussen. And then Joy Weimer is just fine. I don't really think he's anything special. He, I don't even know if he's going to be an everyday player for Milwaukee. You know, you have Christian Yelich probably heading towards everyday DH within a couple of years. But Jackson Trurio in the outfield, Sal Freelich in the outfield. Yeah, I think Garrett Mitchell's going to factor into their plans on some level. Maybe he and Weimer are fighting in some sort of platoon. Um, I'm sure I'm probably forgetting another name, too, out there. So I just, I'm not really overly big on Joy Weimer, even if the tools are there. So, like, I get Barry trying to go for a floor player here because he drafts just almost exclusively for unrealistic ceiling. But I... I feel like you probably could have left this at like Carson Williams and like Drew Rasmussen <laughs> for, for for Brooks Lee, but instead we go Carson Williams, Gavin Stone, Drew Rasmussen, and Joy Weaver, and like I said, I think there's a chance that Brooks Lee might not even be the best player in this trade. Like a very real chance that that's the case. This isn't like as bad as the Hedbert Perez trade, by any means, but yeah, I I, I it's hard to see the path for Barry winning this trade just like the previous one. But, hey, he marches to the beat of his own drum. I think this league is a whole hell of a lot more fun when we all think differently, because if we all thought the same, this would be really boring. We'd all have the same strategies, and we'd all have teams that basically look the exact same, just with different names. And it's way more fun when that's not the case. So I'm all here for, for Barry doing chaotic things. Alrighty, enough of that here. Let's pop on into the recaps and let's uh, let's start with let's start with basketball because basketball was the sport that was on the big hiatus. So no records this week because you know long week and that definitely affected some of the counting stats as you'll see here at the end. But the first matchup is Ping beating up on Spencer eight to one. Ping gets 105, 26, and 35 with 570 from the field from Zion, along with 15 stocks from Trey Murphy. Spencer has no standouts. Alex beats Ryan 6-3. Alex gets 89, 29, and 31 with 13 threes and 914 from the line from James Harden. 113, 17, and 29 with 921 from the line from Devin Booker. 105, 34, and 24, 25 rather, with 14 threes from Jason Tatum. Ryan gets 94, 24, and 14, along with 14 threes and 909 from the free throw line and 10 stocks from Andrew Wiggins. 
75 points, 38 boards, 30 dimes, and 13 threes from Brandon Podjemski. Uh, then 79, 31, and 31 from DeJounta Murray. Kevin beat Keith 7-2 with 71 and 43, along with 19 stocks and 6-17 from the field from Evan Mobley. 74, 14, and 28 with 16 three-pointers from Keontae. Uh, 69, 56, and 10 stocks from Collins. 82, 20, 16 with 15 stocks and 12 threes. 909 from the free throw line from Brandon Miller. 84, 37, and 11 with 15 stocks. 640 from the field and 11 threes from Chet Holmgren. On Keefe's end, we got 95 points, 40 rebounds, 13 threes, and perfect from the free throw line from Michael Porter Jr. 100 points, 50 rebounds, 19 assists, and 13 threes from Miles Bridges. Uh, 105, 20, and 27 with 15 threes from Devin Vassell. 74, 38, and 30 with 10 stocks from Scotty Barnes. 93, 41, and 20 with 10 stocks from Alperin Shangoon. Ahmed beat Nathan 5-3-1 to retain the belt. Ahmed gets 94, 57, and 42 with 11 stocks and 586 on the field from Sabonis. 74, 28, and 14 with 15 stocks, 591 from the field, and 11 three-pointers from Herb Jones. 131 points, 28 boards, and 30 assists with 10 steals from De'Aaron Fox. 127, 35, and 40 with 12 stocks and 13 threes from Luka. 77, 22, and 30 with 11 threes, and perfect from the free throw line was Austin Reeves. Nathan, meanwhile, gets 102, 43, and 14 with 16 threes and 941 from the line from Laurie Markkinen. 56 points, 57 boards, 9 blocks, 639 from the field from Rudy Gobert. And lastly, 126, 67, and 61 with 10 stocks and 581 from the field from Nikola Jokic. Barry B. Paolo, 5-4, 76 points, 9 rebounds, 35 assists, and 11 three-pointers from Darius Garland. 118, 27, and 16 with 14 threes and 568 from the field from Kyrie. 115, 10, and 34 with 11 threes from Jalen Brunson. 76, 15, and 47 with 8 steals and 13 threes from Tyrese Halliburton. 92, 22, and 42 with 14 three-pointers from D'Angelo Russell. These are for Paolo, of course. 110, 40, and 12 with 938 from the line and 10 three-pointers from Carl Anthony Towns. 77, 55, 11 with 11 three-pointers from Jabari Smith. Josh beat Sean 7-2, although <laughs> I, I, I got to bring this up here. So Sean does not have Wembenyama up yet, obviously. I think that might happen next year. But I want to take 30 seconds and talk about how friggin' ridiculous this kid is. He had a 5 by 5 in his rookie year. In the game before, he just missed another one by one assist, I think it was. Like, I think a 5x5 five five has only happened 22 or 23 times. And this rookie almost did it in back-to-back games. He is absurd. He is going to be the best player in fantasy the second Sean calls him up. And I don't see that changing, barring health, for a decade. <laughs> like, it's just... He's incredible, man. I am so, so jealous of Sean. Like he's gonna be, if if Wembanyama is able to stay healthy, Sean's gonna have him for four years and then another ten after that with extensions, and he'll be worth it every step of the way. Okay, back to Josh because Josh did win this matchup. Of course, he got one fifty seven, fifty eight and thirty nine, along with seven hundred two from the field from Giannis, eighty four points, sixteen three and six twelve from the field from White, sixty five points, forty nine rebounds, eleven stocks and seven eighty eight from the field from Nick Richards. 134 points, 71 
rebounds, 17 stocks on 586 from the field from Anthony Davis. Incredible week for him. 89, 19, and 29. 905 off the line and 12 threes from Clarkson. 126, 39, and 26 with 11 stocks from Kevin Durant. Sean, meanwhile, gets 65, sorry, 64 points, 50 boards, 29 assists, 14 stocks, and 10 three-pointers from Draymond Green. Good week for him. 155 points, 34 boards, 25 assists, 11 stocks, and 13 threes from Anthony Edwards. And lastly, in the most playoff-implicated matchup of the week, your Blue Water Walleye knocked off the lowly Valley Jobin 5-4. to four. We got 103 points, 26 boards, 36 dimes, 957 from the field, and 13 threes from Damian Lillard. 62 points, 59 rebounds, 560 from the field from Jonas Valanciunas. 112 points, 23 rebounds, 11 assists, perfect from the free throw line, and 23 pointers from Clay Thompson. 49 points, 9 rebounds, a swapping 62 assists from Tyus Jones. 149 points, 16 rebounds, 42 assists, and 28 three-pointers from Stephen Curry. And that doesn't even include Denny Avdia having a career game scoring over 40 points. He was incredible until he missed the last couple of games with injury. So he misses out on the shout-out, but he's going to get a, a half of a shout-out anyways. Mike, meanwhile, gets 135, 26, and 33 with 13 threes, 923 from the field from Maxi, 129, 19, and 29 with 12 stocks, 554 from the field from Shea, and then 98, 51, and 12 with 636 from the field from Jarrett Allen. Your category leaders for the week, Kevin with 5281 from the field, Paolo with 8662 from the line, Ronnie with 134 threes, 374 rebounds, and 280 assists, commanding leads in all three categories. 73 steals for Ping, 56 blocks from Kevin, only 69 turnovers, nice for Sean, and 1,143 points from Mike, just beat everyone by a mile on that. Uh, I actually was second in scoring this week behind Mike, so. Player of the week was Anthony Davis for Josh. Barry's top fives, SGA for Mike, Nikola Jokic for Nathan, Chet for Kevin, Sabonis for Ahmed, and Anthony Davis for Josh. Let's move on over here, take a quick look at the standings. So we only have two weeks left. So this is getting tight in this final playoff because really there's there's only seven teams really alive here. The eight seed is too far back, I think, mathematically speaking. So Fargo is in first by five and a half games over Josh. The and shout out to Tom here for telling me how to pronounce this by sending me a voice note over Instagram. Brittata Warriors are 9.5 back. Alphabama is 17 back. Scunthorpe is 18.5 back. The Walleye are 21.5 back. And Mike now is 24.5 back with two tough opponents left here. And we'll talk about the scoreboard here in a minute. But there's really only seven teams here. Um, other inter- and Other interesting races here. Sean has the the 14 seed pretty much sewn up. I think Spencer's the 13 seed pretty much sewn up. And I don't think Nathan can get into the, the, the 12 seed. So I don't think there's really anything to be looking for down there at the bottom of the standings. But that uh, that final playoff spot here between Ping, Barry, myself, and Mike, it'll be interesting. Only three teams can get it in... Uh, well, Mike is certainly very down on his own team, but his team is incredibly talented. Second in the Roto table. Um, they should be 
in the playoffs, but we'll see how the schedule favors favors them or doesn't really. Uh, matchups this week: the Blue Water Walleye in sixth place face the thirteenth place Hillsboro Hops. Hey, that's fortunate for me this week. Uh, the fifth place Scunthorpe Sexland and seventh place Valley Jobin. This could be big. This could be you know huge for Mike if he can pick up even a six three win over a team currently in a playoff spot. On the second place, Connecticut Whale. In the 10th place, Yo Sausage, Egg, and Cheese. That one's going to, you know, we all know how that one's going to end here. That's not really going to affect too much of the standings. The Rattata Warriors in the third place versus the eighth place, Queens Exogenous Threat. Glad to see Keefe is feeling much better and coming back from another bout of pancreatitis. That sounds miserable. So... Uh, welcome back, Keith, and sorry you get to face Ahmed in your first week, you know, really paying attention back. That's unfortunate. Of the ninth place, Sauropods, in the fourth place, Alphabama Pop-Tarts. Uh, Sauropods actually have a bit of a lead here on Tuesday night, but it's real early, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the first place, Fargo Frostbite, in the eleventh place, Pennsylvania Pork Swords. The fourteenth place, Fool, and twelfth place, Objection Protection. A bit of a, a, bit of a tank pull there, in a way. All right, we can move on to hockey now, as you may hear some pretty heavy rain in the background. It's loud enough to be kind of loud in my apartment. Um, so that means that the Across the Podcast is not the only podcast in this league where you get uh, periodic weather updates. Riveting, I'm sure. But we can finish here with the best sport, hockey, of course. Um, records this week, Ahmed tying for the second most shots on goal and myself setting a new second-best mark for blocks in a week. Our first matchup was Spencer putting the screws to Tom 10-2. to Two wins, 50 saves, a 1-5-1 goals against and a 9-43 save percentage from Saros. Four defense points and 10 blocks from Sanheim. Five defense points and 11 blocks from Hedman. Three goals, two assists, 17 shots from point. Five goals, four assists, 34 faceoffs, 16 hits from JT Miller. Two goals and an assist with 50 face-off wins for Coyle. 57 face-off wins from Nico Heischer. Nine assists and defense points, along with three special teams points from Josh Morrissey. Heck of a week from Morrissey. Uh, spoiler alert, potentially there. Um, also, two goals, four assists, 53 face-offs, and three STPs from Dreisaitl. Big face-off week for Spencer. On Tom's end, a goal and four assists for Toffoli. Five assists and defense points for Theodore. Three goals and an assist with four SDPs for Fiala. 20 hits plus blocks from Hag. Two goals, four assists from Terry. Four defense points from Miro Heiskanen. Ahmed beat Kevin 9-2-1. to Two wins, 136 saves, a 188 goals against and a 938 save percentage from Kachekov and Thompson combined. Three assists, 15 shots, 15 hits from Brady Kachuk. Four goals, two assists from Kadri. 21 hits plus blocks from Darnell Nurse. Goal, four assists, 23 shots from McKinnon. Four assists for Ben. Goal, three assists, 45 face-offs from Jenner. Four goals, two assists, 29 face-offs, 17 shots, and three STPs from Austin Matthews. Three goals, two assists, 12 blocks, five defense points from Shabbat. On Kevin's end, a goal, a win, 56 saves, a 148 goals against, and a 949 save percentage from Bobrowski. Three goals, three assists from Besser. One goal, five assists, 30 face-offs from Strom. Three goals, four assists, 16 shots, and four STPs from Nylander. Four assists and defense points from Ekholm. Barry squeaked out a win against Ping, 6-5-1. Four assists and three STPs from Cousins. Four assists and defense points from Hughes. Three goals, 6-6, 48 face-off wins. Four STPs from Joel Eriksson-Eck, who had a hell of a week. 
Two goals, four assists, 28 faceoffs, 15 shots from McTavish. 14 shots, 8 hits, and 11 blocks from Rasmus Dahlin. 22 hits plus blocks from Romanov. On Ping's end, three goals, three assists for Alex Brinkett, who is really starting to find it again. Thank goodness for that for the wings and for the wings' sake in real life. Goal, four assists from McCann, three goals, two assists, 33 faceoffs, 15 shots from Carlson, four goals from Butchnevich, six goals, six assists, 17 shots, and six STPs from Kaprizov. Alex beat Mike 10-2, three wins, 119 saves, a one goals against, and a 975 save percentage from Shesterkin, who bounced back from me kind of shitting on him last week with a really good week. Uh, four defense points and 14 shots from Yossi. Two goals, eight assists, seven special teams points from Matt Zuccarello, of all people. Four assists and defense points from Eric Carlson. One goal, four assists, 39 faceoffs from Crosby. Eight assists and four STPs from McDavid, who continues to be an absolute assist machine. Uh, three goals, two assists, five defense points from Latang. Five goals and an assist with 17 shots from Zach Hyman. On Mike's end, 15 hits and four defense points from McAvoy. 20 hits plus blocks from McCabe. And four assists and STPs from Adrian Kempe, who is now hurt. Ooh, oh. And finally, you have Josh starching me, 8-3-1, to retain the belt. Two goals, two assists, 40 faceoff wins from Chochek. Goal, four assists from Gaudreau. Four goals, three assists, 18 shots for Boldy. 19 hits from Hathaway. Three goals, four assists, 15 shots, and six STPs from Gabe Velarde in a revenge week. Um, three goals and an assist, 33 faceoffs, 11 hits from Josh Norris. Four defense points and three STPs from Doughty. Two goals, six assists from Kucherov. Four goals, four assists, and five STPs from Kyle Connor. One goal, four assists from Panarin. Two goals, four assists from Hegel. 23 hits from Lozon. On my end, four assists and 36 faceoffs from Claude Giroux. 20 hits plus blocks from Cider. Five assists and defense points, along with 12 blocks from Alec Martinez. Heck of a waiver claim by yours truly. And 22 hits plus blocks from Jacob Chikrin. Category leaders, Ping and Josh splitting 33 goals apiece. Alex, 51 assists. Spencer, 371 faceoffs. Ahmed, 275 shots. Josh with 146 hits. Ronnie with 109 blocks. Spencer with 24 defense points. Alex with 25 special teams points. Also, 5 wins and 248 saves for Alex. And Ahmed gets the goalie ratios, 1.878 goals against and a 9.379 save percentage. Your players of the week, JT Miller for Spencer, Josh Morrissey for Spencer, and Igor Shosturkin for Alex. Barry's top five skaters, Morrissey for Spencer, Kaprizov for Ping, Erickson Eck for Barry, Miller for Spencer, Zuccarello for Alex, Andinette, Shosturkin for Alex, Lyon for Josh, and Kochekov for Ahmed. Take a quick look here now at the standings as they sit, because this is getting kind of spicy for the final playoff spot. Hillsborough in first place, four and a half games up on Fargo. It will be interesting to see who gets the one seed there. Uh, the Walleye are now in a precarious spot in third place, 18 and a half back. Josh is 21 back. So only two and a half games now separate the Walleye and the Whale. And the Walleye still have the hops in the final week. So that's not a great look for me. Uh, and then Ahmed, 24 games back. So he is only five and a half back of the Walleye. That one could be really close here, which means the Walleye have to take care of business this week. Uh, down at the bottom, Tom has this wrapped up. He's 96 games back. He's going to finish over 100 games back of first place. That's uh, impressive. And looking at the matchups here this week, the Walleye in third place get the seventh place Valley Jobin. This is one the Walleye have to get like eight categories from. This this is a huge week for the Walleye. Second place, Alex, the Fargo Frostbite against the ninth place, Objection Protection. 
First place, Hillsborough has sixth place, Gunthorpe. Josh in fourth place has Tom in tenth place. Fuck me. Um, and Ahmed in fifth has Ping in eighth. Gonna really need Ping to hang tough here. And tonight, tonight I'm recording this. Ping did get ten points from his Detroit Red Wings contingent. So keep the faith, Ping. Hold strong. Get at least five categories from Ahmed here. Please. Begging you. All right, and that will bring us to the end here. Good to have both recaps back. And good to have spring training games going again. Because that means baseball is going to be talked about more often on the podcast. You're very coming up here in the near future. Cannot wait. Um, always nice seeing my guys, you know, hit home runs. Jordan Lawler homer the other day. Adley Rutschman homer the other day. Keep Brian Hayes on the day I'm recording this had a grand slam. Man, really excited for him this year. Uh, very excited just to see his baseball back again. I don't care who it is or how good they're doing or how bad they're doing. It's just fun to see baseball. So uh, we will have a specific baseball preview episode, of course. Uh, I put out my, well, not my rankings, but I used the the site I, I have access to for um, creating a value, reading for all the team's rosters. I put that in the chat a few days ago, and I will give my own take on that here in said preview episode here in a few weeks when we get closer to the season. I don't think there's anything else to really talk about here with um, news and notes for around DSAC. So I guess we can wrap this up here. So thank you all for listening as always, and I will catch you all next time.